Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the Internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hello, I'm Sarah. And I'm Toby. And this is the Whispering Woods Extra. This extra is all about... Voodoo dolls and puppet. It sure is. Now, we're not going to be doing an awful lot of chatting on today's episode because we are taking it in turn with the microphone because I've got COVID um, and Toby doesn't want it. (laughs) Um, So there won't be a lot of back and forth. So I'm going to get straight into the introduction. So today's episode has got an introduction piece all about the concept of voodoo dolls. And then we've got one true story that I've adapted from a Reddit post. Um, Links as always will be in the podcast notes. So what do you think about voodoo dolls and puppets? Well, I know that they're like used for like witchcraft and that. People that like you don't like in it, it would stab it with a needle. And hopefully it hurts them, innit? Or you snap his leg or something and it'll break your leg. Yeah. Right, well, this introduction might change your mind a little. So are you ready for the introduction? Yes, I am. Is there someone you dislike? Someone you'd like to seek revenge upon? What springs to mind if I were to mention pins and dolls? The voodoo doll? The voodoo doll is an effigy that is used with the intent that any harm done to the doll will be transferred to the person it represents. This is based on the idea of sympathetic magic, which holds that things that resemble each other are connected. For example, 
If a person wants to cause pain to someone's head, they would stick a pin into the doll's head. If they wish someone to fall in love with them, they will entwine two dolls together in a loving embrace. This practice is believed to have originated in ancient Mesopotamia and Egypt, where wax or clay figures were used to curse or bind enemies, lovers or rivals. However, this form of magic has been attributed to voodoo. That's a misrepresentation, as the dolls are not prominent and have never been prominent in Haitian voodoo and are rarely used in Louisiana voodoo. These are two distinct religions that developed among enslaved Africans in the Caribbean and the United States, respectively. Incorporating elements of West African, Catholic and Native American beliefs and practices. People who practice the voodoo religion in Haiti do not use this kind of doll. They instead use small effigies known as a fetish or a bokia for rituals. When these people were forced to the new world as slaves, they brought their doll tradition with them. However, these dolls are not used to harm others, but rather to heal, protect or communicate with the spirits. The link between this magical practice and voodoo was established through common Hollywood tropes in the 20th century. A result of the negative and sensationalised depiction of voodoo in movies, books and media, which often portrayed them as dark, evil and violent. By the early 21st century, the image of the voodoo doll has become particularly pervasive. It's become an item available for purchase, with the examples being provided in vending machines in British shopping centres and hanging from displays in novelty shops. You can even find articles online on how to make a voodoo doll, including WikiHow. Voodoo dolls are featured in movies such as The Pirates of the Caribbean and Scooby-Doo, but these representations are not accurate or respectful of the actual voodoo religions and they perpetuate harmful stereotypes and misconceptions. As Robbie Gilmore, a high priest of Louisiana Voodoo, stated in 2020, quote, Hollywood really did us a number. We do not stab pins in dolls to hurt people. We don't take your hair and make a doll and worship the devil with it, and ask the devil to give us black magic to get our revenge on you. It's not done, it won't be done, and it never will exist for us. In actual fact, the use of an effigy in magic dates back a lot further than the association with voodoo, with such practices found in various forms in the magical traditions of numerous cultures around the world. For example, in ancient Egypt, the enemies of Pharaoh Ramses III used images of wax fashioned into his form to bring about his death in 1100 BCE. This was part of a conspiracy known as the Harem Conspiracy, which involved some of his wives, officials and magicians. They made wax figurines of the king and his bodyguards, 
and inscribed them with spells to weaken and destroy him. They also buried these figurines in the royal tombs, hoping to prevent the king from reaching the afterlife. But their plot was discovered, and they were executed with some force to commit suicide. And ancient Greece was not immune to the magic of these effigies. They were called catadesmoi, or defixons, and they were used to curse or bind enemies, lovers or rivals. Usually made of lead, clay or wax, the ancient Greeks would inscribe the dolls with the names of their victims, along with information about the desired outcome required, such as death, illness, impotence or separation. They were also pierced with nails, needles or pins, or bound with cords or chains, to symbolise the affliction or restraint of the victims. They were then buried in places associated with the underworld, such as graves, wells or crossroads. Some of these dolls have been found by archaeologists, and they reveal the personal conflicts and desires of the ancient Greeks. In medieval Europe, dolls were used by witches and cunning folk to heal, harm or manipulate people. These dolls were called poppets. Poppets can be fashioned from various materials, such as clay, wax, cloth, wood, paper or fruit, and stuffed or filled with herbs, stones, hair, nails or other personal items of the target. The choice of material may depend on the availability, the purpose or the preference of the practitioner. For example, clay or wax may be easier to mould and shape, cloth or wood may be more durable and portable, paper or fruit may be more disposable and biodegradable. The stuffing or filling of the poppet may also vary according to the intention or the symbolism of the ingredients. For example, herbs may have specific properties or associations, such as rosemary for protection, lavender for love, or sage for wisdom. Stones may have different meanings or energies, such as quartz for amplification, amethyst for intuition, or hematite for grounding. Hair, nails or other personal items may serve as a link or a representation of the target, making the puppet more effective or specific. Puppets can also be used as a form of protective magic. By hiding them in chimneys, walls or roofs of houses to ward off evil spirits or bad luck. This practice may have originated from the belief that these places were entry points or portals for supernatural forces and that placing a poppet there would act as a guardian or a decoy. The poppet may also be inscribed or marked with symbols or words of power such as runes, sigils or charms to enhance its potency or function. Some of these poppets have been discovered by archaeologists or historians and they reveal the fears and hopes of the people who made them. Poppets are also seen as a spirit bridge, a way to communicate or connect with the divine, the ancestors or the spirits of nature. Poppets can be designed to be for good, such as bringing health, love or prosperity, or for evil, such as causing sickness, pain or misfortune. 
Poppets can also be used as a form of divination by observing how they react to certain stimuli or questions. The word poppet from the Middle English word for a small child or a doll. In British English, it continues to hold this meaning. Poppet is also a chiefly British term of endearment or diminutive, referring to a young child or girl, much like the words dear or sweetie. Poppets are also known as poppets with an eye, moppets, momets or pippies. These are alternative spellings or regional variations of the same word, and they may also have different connotations or associations. For example, moppet is often used as a term of affection for a young child, especially one with untidy hair. Momet is a dialect word for a scarecrow or a dummy, and it may also imply something frightening or grotesque. Pippi is a rare word that may be related to Pipkin, a small earthenware pot. In Germany, there's a tradition of the kitchen witch, a poppet that is hung in the kitchen to bring good luck and prevent kitchen disasters. This style of poppet was also used in Tudor England. As you can see, the history of the voodoo doll and poppets is rich and diverse and reflects the beliefs and practices of various cultures and times. These dolls are not just toys or novelties, but powerful tools of magic that can be used for good or evil, depending on the intention and skill of the practitioner. So there's no such thing as a voodoo doll then, really? No, not really, Trope. Not really. Um, I thought it was really interesting... That's why I wanted to do this episode, because, yeah, they're not real. Well, they are real, but not in the form and not called a voodoo doll. Right, so are you ready for the first and final story? Yes, I am. Emma loved her mother, but sometimes she wished she would stop bringing home junk from garage sales. Her mother had a knack for finding bargains but also a tendency to hoard things she didn't need. One day she came home with a huge brown box that looked like it had been sitting in someone's attic for decades. It was covered with dust and cobwebs and had a musty smell that made Emma sneeze. Look what I found for you, sweetie, her mother said, dumping the box on Emma's bed. It's a treasure trove of goodies. You can keep whatever you want. Emma rummaged through the box, hoping to find something useful or interesting. There were some books and notebooks that she liked, but most of the items were worthless. Scratch CDs, outdated cookbooks and other random stuff. She was about to give up and toss away the box when something caught her eye at the bottom corner. It was a small doll, about the size of her palm. The doll resembled a little Mexican or native girl, with a few necklaces of cheap beads around its neck and a dress of red and blue fabric. The hair was weird, it didn't seem to be made of anything synthetic, and had the feel and look of real human hair. It was black and braided, tied with yarn, and flowed down the figure's back. The eyes were terrifying, two black slits of thread, Space evenly on the face, 
giving it a blank and sinister expression. The body was just a circular mass of rough netting-like material, with no limbs or other distinguishable features, and it was heavy in weight, but also heavy in presence. Even so, Emma felt an uncanny attraction to it. Loving unusual and strange items, she examined every detail of the doll. Lifting up its dress, she noticed a long needle sticking out of the doll's body. It was about as long as the doll itself, and it seemed to be attached to the netting. Emma removed the needle tentatively, not wanting to damage the doll, and saw that it had no opening for thread at the top. She wondered what it was for, as it would be useless for her mother's sewing kit without an eye. She inserted the pin back into the doll's body, gave a small shudder and placed the doll on her bed as she joined her family for dinner. Over the next three days, Emma became sick, rushing to the toilet to vomit. She couldn't keep anything down. The illness was fairly severe, though not life-threatening, and she had to miss school for a week because the sickness would build and she'd have to throw up every few hours for several days. What could have caused the sickness? She'd eaten the same food as her family, but she was the only one to get sick, and no one else showed any sign of contracting a bug. Eventually, the vomiting stopped, but she was so exhausted and weak, it was difficult to leave her bed, and she'd use all of her energy just to move around the house. Emma recovered from her sickness, and time passed. The doll was placed on a shelf with other bric-a-brac that she'd collected over the years, and it blended in with the rest of the clutter in her room. A year later, Emma met Molly at school, and they became best friends. Molly was cool. She claimed she had the sight, and could see spirits and read auras. She would tell Emma stories of her paranormal encounters during recess. One day... Molly came over to Emma's house after school. They wanted to hang out, talk about their crushes and have dinner. It had been a normal day. Emma's parents left to get some food, leaving the girls alone in the house. This was a rare occurrence and they felt excited. They went up to Emma's room and Molly spotted the doll. She picked it up from the shelf and then let out a small gasp. She dropped the doll I've got a bad feeling about that thing. Where did you get it? She asked Emma. Emma told her the story of the garage sale in the box. I felt an odd tingling feeling when I touched it, Molly said. I didn't want to touch it for too long. It had a bad vibe. I think it's cursed or haunted. Emma thought Molly's gifts were awesome, but she didn't really believe in supernatural things and tried to just brush it off. She could tell by Molly's face, though, that she was serious and scared. Emma's phone rang later that evening. It was her parents. They said they were having a good time and had decided to go out and watch a movie. They would be home late. Molly looked at Emma and said they should use the opportunity to get rid of the doll. She said it was evil and it could hurt them or someone else. Emma agreed. Taking the doll to the fire pit in the backyard... They tried to burn it, but it wouldn't catch fire. 
The dress was made of cotton, but it resisted the flames. They went back inside and got some paper. Wrapping the doll in it, they tried again. Molly lit the paper directly, and this time, the doll burned. The flames engulfed the doll, but to their horror, they heard a terrible scream, as if the doll was alive and suffering. They stared at each other in shock, and then ran back to the house, locking the door behind them. They had no idea what they had done or what would happen next. They only knew that they had unleashed something evil and they regretted ever setting eyes on the doll. Emma, we have to get rid of that spirit, Molly said, a voice trembling. It's angry and it's powerful. It might try to hurt us or your family. How do we do that, Molly? Emma asked. Feeling scared and helpless, how do we get rid of something we can't see? You have to command it to leave, Emma. You have to use all of your will, show it your strength. Molly grabbed Emma's hand and led her to the backyard. She told Emma to stand beside her and repeat what she said. Listen to me, spirit, Molly said, raising her voice. You are not welcome here. You have no power over us. You have no right to harm us. Leave this place and leave us alone. Go back to where you came from and never return. Emma repeated Molly's words, feeling a strange sensation in her chest. She felt as if she had gained an immense power and she could sense the spirit's fear and anger. She shouted at the spirit to leave and the flames grew bigger and wider. They then heard a loud bang from inside the house and Emma's alarm went off. Molly and Emma rushed inside and found Emma's alarm clock blaring and her light turned off. Emma turned on her light quickly, unplugging the alarm. Did we do it, Molly? Emma asked, hoping it was over. I don't know, Molly said, looking around nervously. Just as they were about to leave the room, they heard another beep. Emma dug through the pile of junk on her shelf, looking for the source of the noise. She found an old Tamagotchi that was still alive somehow. She tried to silence it, but nothing worked. What's going on? Emma asked, holding the toy in her hand. What is that? Molly said, walking over to Emma. It's my old Tamagotchi. I used to play with it when I was little. I don't know why it's beeping now and I can't turn it off. Let me see, Molly said, taking the toy from Emma. She pressed some buttons, but the beeping continued. The doll is annoyed, she said. Maybe we should just smash the Tamagotchi. Smash it? Are you sure? Emma said, feeling a pang of nostalgia. Yeah, why not? It's just a toy, and it might be connected to the doll. Maybe it's trying to warn us or distract us. Okay, fine, let's smash it. They went outside, and Molly threw the toy on the ground. She stepped on it, and the beeping distorted. The toy cracked, and the screen went blank but the beeping didn't stop. It was still coming from the toy. What the hell? How is it still beeping? Molly said, frustrated. I don't know. Maybe it has a battery inside. They both continued to stomp on the toy until it was reduced to pieces. They heard a final beep and then silence. They sighed in relief. Finally, it's over. Let's get rid of this thing, Emma said picking up the glass and plastic pieces. 
Yeah, and let's go and check on the doll too. Maybe it's gone now, Molly said, hoping for the best. They returned to the fire pit, only to be met with an overwhelming stench. It smelled like burning hair and flesh. They covered their noses and mouths and looked at the pit. Strangely, the doll's hair was the only thing that was still burning, and it was smouldering slowly. The rest of the doll had turned into ashes, and when they poked it with a stick, they could see the charred remains of the doll's dress. How is the hair still burning? Emma said, feeling sick. I don't know, and I don't want to know. Let's just leave it alone. Maybe it'll burn out eventually, Molly said, backing away from the pit. They went back to the house and locked the door behind them, hoping they'd seen the last of the doll, but Emma had a bad feeling. She hugged her parents extra tight when they eventually came home that night. Molly had left for the evening and it was time to settle in. Emma then went to bed scared and unable to process what had happened. Later that night, she was awoken by a vivid dream. People had been gathered around the fire pit, wearing dark cloaks, and they were chanting. She couldn't quite hear what they were saying, but as she stepped closer, she saw the doll in the pit burning. Emma started crying as they were all yelling, Bring her back! Bring her back! It felt like she'd witnessed someone die. One of the cloaked figures turned to face her, and three times it roared at Emma to bring the doll back. Emma obeyed, screaming come back and uttering some words she didn't recognise. Until the last time, when she woke up in the middle of a sentence and realised it was dawn. When she went back to the fire pit that morning, it contained only those coloured beads and five rusty nails clustered together. But over the next year, Emma's life turned upside down. Her mum's car was totaled after she hit a deer on the way home. Her dad lost his job and her parents had to file for bankruptcy to keep their house from being foreclosed upon due to unpaid credit card debt. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Yeah, I would have probably done the same. Like, you know, like, I just don't like those or weirdos. I just, yeah, throw them in the fire, like, do you know what I mean? Yeah, I kind of thought you were going to say that. Well, that brings us to the end of this episode. I hope you enjoyed and we'll catch up with you again soon. We surely will. I'm sorry if this episode is a bit fragmented. Um, yeah, this is the way, the only way we can do it because we are still sharing that microphone. 
So we'll catch up with you again next week. I'm sorry if my voice is awful and my editing is terrible. I do apologize, but hopefully I'll be better. Take care, everyone. Goodbye. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.